Welcome back to I'd Rather Be At The Beach, brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast for school marketing people that's nothing to do with school marketing, because let's face it, you work hard enough already. In each episode, I speak to someone within the sector who won't talk about work, but we get to find out more about them as a person. And in this episode, we're talking to none other than Emily Richards. Emily is the founder of the Stickman Consultancy, but I don't let her use this to talk about work because, well, you know why. Instead, we hear all about her life, her career before marketing, her family and her love, seemingly, of eating out, being wined and dined. So let's not waste any more time, but instead, let's get into this episode right now with Emily Richards. Emily, welcome to this episode of the podcast. Thank you for being here. How are you today? Thank you for having me, Simon. Yeah, I'm really, really well, thank you. Thursday afternoon, kind of nearing the end of the week, looking forward to the weekend. We're away this weekend, actually, so um, that's kind of on, half on my mind now. But yeah, a good Thursday, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. So I'm dying to know, I'm just going to be nosy now, where are you going to be going away at the weekend? Aha, well, we're going back to, well, I say back to Bristol because I lived there for 10 years. So we're taking the children down there to kind of visit our old haunts and show them little places we used to hang out, take them out for dinner and just generally kind of introduce them to the the delights of Bristol because it's still one of my favourite cities. Well, it's a good city for sure. It's definitely got a good vibe. I'd sort of put it up there with the likes of Brighton and and Manchester and places like that. It's definitely got a good good vibe in there, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Beautiful city, a green city and yeah, beautiful architecture, lots going on, a really nice vibe to it. So Emily, tell us a little bit about your home situation, you know, whether, well, you mentioned that you have children and are, are you married? Yes, married to Peter. And we have two children, Bertie, who's 13, and Beatrice, who's 11. And uh, yeah, they're, they're great kids, very different. We're just going through the whole senior school application process and entrance exams and interviews with B at the moment. And so that's been an intense few weeks. And do you know what? It's so interesting seeing that as a parent and experiencing that and seeing how the schools engage with you. We have a short list of three schools now. So uh, we're kind of just at that at that stage now where we're waiting for the results and uh, will, we mm. should know in a few weeks time. So well, fingers crossed for that. Hope everything there works out well. I'm, I'm sure that it will do. And what part of the country are you living in now? Because clearly it's not Bristol. Yes, not Bristol. You mentioned Manchester and we are actually in Manchester. Oh, there we are. <laughs> we're not city centre Manchester. We're about 20, 20 minutes on the sort of outskirts of, of Manchester in a, a place called Hale, which is a, a gorgeous little village. And we're sort of, it's I guess, the, the nearest kind of well-known place is Altrincham. But essentially, the short answer is Manchester. Now, actually, Emily, I'm really glad that you've explained this to me because, as you know, you're using a microphone that we've sent across to you courtesy of an Amazon box. And I remember seeing the word hail in your in your address, thinking to myself, I've got absolutely no idea where that is. But now I know it's on the outskirts of Manchester. Yes. And if you think we it's, it's probably I don't know, you may know it as Cheshire, kind of North Cheshire, South Manchester, North Cheshire. 
Okay, got it. Right, let's talk about some fun things. Tell us a bit about your career before you got into school marketing. And the reason I'm asking that is because I don't think that many people, when they leave school or university, think to themselves, I know what I want to do. I want to go into school marketing. I think a lot of people don't even think that it's a thing. And and, and probably for the likes of you and I, without wanting to give away your age, because I'm not even going to guess. But actually, when we left university, school marketing was a very, very different thing. So tell us about your career before school marketing. Well, yeah, it's a really good question. It's a funny, funny to hear you say that not many people recognise school marketing. I think that's very true. So I've always worked in media and marketing for over 20 years, but that wasn't the original plan. So I was originally going to do music at uni as I was a keen pianist. But then I had a, a last minute change of heart, which led me to reading business and marketing at uni instead. And to be honest, that turned out to be the best decision because I've never looked back. So before setting up Stickman nine years ago, I spent 14 years in media and marketing agencies in Bristol. And I worked with some amazing people at the top of their game uh, and started off at the kind of low-level, young, fresh grad faxing media schedules every Friday to the national press, tabloids and the broadsheets. And I think I was a real eager beaver. So I worked really hard and worked my way up and then had the joy of working with really big brands, with really big budgets. So the likes of Channel 4 and BMW and Mini and BBC Haymarket. And I planned many, many media and marketing strategies for them, just kind of working out how to get them out there and to build awareness or whatever the campaign objectives were. And yeah, it was a, it was a really, a really great time. Loads of perks along the way. I was so, so lucky, sort of all sorts of things, really, all expenses, trips abroad, taken to the best restaurants and wined and dined at kind of big events and things. So, yeah, it was brilliant, but it was very much work hard, play hard. So, you know, in between those nice jollies, there were a lot of late night, late nights working. And but the, the best bit was I was kind of working with top caliber teams and, you know, learning really gold standard ways of doing things. So I guess then I reached a point where I wanted to set up myself. And so, yep, nine years ago, Stickman was born and I really wanted to apply the knowledge that I'd learned during those um, 14, first 14 years of my career, apply those to the education industry. So that was when uh, Stickman was set up in 2012. So what was it about the education industry without talking too much about work, because this is the podcast that's not about work, but what was it about the education sector that appealed to you? So I think it was, well, two things really, the gaps that I saw, because when I set up Stickman, I was lucky to land a few education clients and it quickly struck me that, you know, those kind of real, that basic commercial mindset and getting results with marketing rather than it just being frilly marketing, you know, and just kind of endless effort and, and seeing no results from that, that that kind of struck me that those skills didn't exist or certainly not the, the schools I was working with at the time. And then, you know, the more schools I worked with, it just became more and more evident. So, I think it was just, yeah, that that kind of wanting to to translate those skills and, you know, schools schools do such brilliant things. And I think that's the other reason is my own educational experience, because for A-levels, I went to a really great school and 
the teaching was just another level and I still use skills that I learned then now you know sort of however many years later without giving away my age but quite a, quite mm-hmm. a few years later I use those skills every day and so my big belief is that schools change lives and shape futures and that was born out of that experience that I had and that kind of really really made me want to get that for my own children as well but but similarly I think that's ultimately what gives me my passion for helping schools and you know making sure that they're sustainable and that they have a very robust future ahead of them you know we do that via helping to keep their finances healthy through you know sort of pupil recruitment strategies but I think that's where you know what what really gives me my passion for school marketing and wanting to help them is that the gaps that I saw but also yeah the educational experience that I had personally. Okay so tell me then what some of those differences are that you experience personally about you know, where you were working beforehand, you mentioned about being there for 14 years, about working with these high profile clients, about having these trips abroad. Tell us about some of those countries that you went to. That would be very interesting as well. But also now how you find that compared to you know, working on Stickman and being in a much smaller organization. And OK, it's your own baby. <laughs> but, you know, how do you how do you compare those two different experiences in your career? Yeah, very different. So, Marketing budget wise, you know, huge differences between what a school has as a typical marketing budget and, you know, those corporate clients that I was working with before, you'd be talking, you know, millions. And Mm. now you're talking, well, anything from, you know, 5k to I would say maximum we've worked with with a school would be around 300k. So, you know, the, the budgets were a big, uh, a big contrast to when comparing the two together. But and I guess I don't mind that because you have to make sure every penny works hard for that school. You know, they're clinging on to every penny they spend. So every penny, actually, whether it is a few few million annual budget or whether it's, you know, 5K, then every penny should work hard anyway. But actually, all the more when it's a smaller budget like that. So, yeah, that that's one big difference that the, <laughs> the lack of jollies, you know, those mm-hmm. fancy restaurants and those lovely trips and, you know, those meeting celebrities and things like that, you know, doesn't doesn't happen anymore. But in terms of, you know, we still we still enjoy our, our nice dinners occasionally out and things like that. But, yeah, I think definitely those big lovely perks or all expenses pay trips and things don't uh, don't happen (laughs) now you can't mention celebrities without me saying which which celebrities (laughs) did you meet give us an idea of some of them oh my goodness well i say meet you know kind of indirectly through things like the brit awards with beyonce and i remember being at the ritz and seeing margaret thatcher and bill clinton just you know not not sitting and having dinner with them, but at the same event and kind of, you know, rubbing shoulders with them. <laughs> so what's it like then to be at an event where you've got Margaret Thatcher there or, or cause actually Margaret Thatcher, she was a big fan of the Ritz, wasn't she? I hear, yes. but you know, the likes of Bill Clinton as well. I mean, how does that, <laughs> how, how does that feel when you're at an event? And okay, you might not be hobnobbing just on a one-to-one uh, for half an hour with these people. Well, I don't know, maybe you were, but you know, just to be in the same <laughs> presence as these people, what's that actually like? Yeah, 
it's surreal, surreal. You know, you are, you see these people and you have a lot of respect for them. And then to be in the same room as them is is incredible. And, you know, I feel very fortunate that I was, you know, able to do those things. But yeah, surreal, I think, is that you're kind of pinching yourself saying, gosh, that's Margaret Thatcher over there. Or, you know, it's mm. it, it's pretty incredible. I guess it's also a reminder that they're just normal people at the end of the day. Okay, they've 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 done significant things in their lives and and they're recognised throughout the world. But surely, you know, people, well, people often say this, don't they? That you know that that a celebrity might appear shorter in real life than they than they often <laughs> appear in a movie or whatever. And actually, these these are normal people, you know, and they can be at an event and. They're, they're half at the event and they're also thinking you know actually i quite like to go home and just go and we'll go and <laughs> go and chill out in my hotel bedroom <laughs> yes yeah definitely <laughs> okay so tell us about some of the different countries you went to and what were, what that was like being uh, flown to different countries and it's all paid for as well yeah, so I guess one example was a, a, a reward actually for, um, I got a client, um, BBC Haymarket, some record results. And so my boss surprised me with two tickets. I took a friend and we went to Prague and it was kind of, yeah, beautiful sort of eating out in some lovely restaurants and just a thank you from them for saying, you know, well done and thanks for working hard. So, so yeah, that was, that was a lovely one. And yeah, I mean... I, I haven't been, you know, to lo loads of countries, but Rome, Rome was another one that was more work based. But again, you know, beautiful location to go to and feel very lucky to have that within a work capacity. Now, Emily, you've mentioned, if you don't mind me saying, you've mentioned restaurants, I think, three times in this podcast episode <laughs> so far. Is food an important part in your life? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Although I am the worst cook. I don't cook. My husband does all the cooking. I bake, you know, my, my daughter and I, we bake a lot of cakes. And, you know, we'll do we'll do bread and things like that. But cooking, I actively avoid because, well, I just don't enjoy it. It's for me, mm. it's kind of a lot of effort. And, you know, some people kind of find it therapeutic or you know sort of this cathartic process me I'm a, I'm absolutely the opposite of that I find it frustrating I can't wait till it's finished I can cook but I really don't enjoy it at all and so I think the end product is never that good <laughs> I'm not sure which scenario is worse in that you, you say that you can cook but you don't really enjoy cooking so you don't cook <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy cooking, but I can't cook. And and I don't know which oh. of those two outcomes is, is going to be the worst wow. for the people that are, th that are actually eating it. Yeah, I think, well, I get a sense of tragedy around yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be good at it and you, you want to, you enjoy it. But I'm sure you could with maybe some, I don't know, cookery lessons or well, something. Uh, well, I could do. I, I guess one of my problems is that if I am cooking, then I like to have a drink, but I'm not very good at uh, handling my drink. Uh, after a small <laughs> amount of drink, I, I, <laughs> I'm not very good at cooking at all. So everything goes to pot after that, See, that point. That kind of cooking I would enjoy that, you know, if there's a, if there's a nice glass of wine involved, yeah, I'm, I'm happy mm. then, but day-to-day um, -day stuff, mm-mm. Not really your thing. Okay, no. you, you mentioned about Prague, you mentioned about Rome. Ignoring work trips for a moment, where else have you been around the world that you've really enjoyed? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. We went to Croatia last autumn. Now, a lot of people love Croatia. A lot of people have gone there and they, they come back raving about it, don't they? 
Yes, it, it's some, somewhere that stands out as one of our best holidays. We went sailing there and we were so fortunate with the weather. It was beautiful and it was the weather forecast before we went was awful. So, yeah, it was it was a really gorgeous time with some really good friends of ours and uh, the children loved it. The food was the food was great. It's so reasonable as mm. well, but it's such a beautiful place to go to. So, yeah, Croatia was a highlight I suppose Monte Gran, which was a place we went to down in the south of France as well, stands out. Little hamlet that we that we spent two weeks in, and yeah, that that was really gorgeous. Kind of, it's like a little small holding, and the kids mm. just love kind of feeding the chickens every day. And again, just a beautiful setting, beautiful countryside. And my husband and I had this beautiful. I remember this tasting menu one evening we were driven up to mm. the top of a mountain and had this beautiful tasting menu in this big castle on the top of the mountain and yeah that that was something that stands out to me as well wow wow sounds to me like you're a big fan of european destinations then yes i guess so but then again i you know i've been to thailand as well and i'm desperate to take the children back there so yes i think i've traveled mainly in europe but i would yeah i'd love to take the children we were talking about it the other day sort of the northern area of, of thailand so um but yes mm. no i think um my experience is probably mainly european there's a lot to be said about Europe, and uh, I think that it's quite healthy when when we meet people out from outside of Europe who are amazed that we live so close to the likes of, you know, Paris and Madrid and Berlin and Stockholm and all of these different places. When you know, if you live on the west coast of America, then actually, is that they're, they're real, almost exotic destinations, aren't they? If you're living in California, but here we have it on our doorstep, and when people explain how how lucky we are, then often we can realize that we've been overlooking the greatness of some of these european destinations so it does make sense to make good use of them but equally thailand sounds amazing. i've never been to thailand before what, what is it about thailand that you liked so much well you know they're just the sort of the beaches are amazing the turquoise waters and all of that but for me it was mainly the people they were absolutely gorgeous in terms of so i don't know just so genteel so respectful they worked hard but I think they were just so lovely to be around and, you know, this this kind of just looking after you and you felt like saying, come on, just I want to look after you too. You know, you just it was mm. it was just that kind of whole beautiful sense of respect, I guess, that seemed to be consistent across everyone we met when we were over there. And which places are there around the world, maybe outside of Europe, actually, that you haven't been to, but you'd love to go to? I think at the moment Bermuda is on my radar, <laughs> mainly because, well, it's on my radar at the moment because we've just won a school out there, actually. So it may be in a oh, work capacity, right. but oh, I think if we, okay. if we went out there in a work capacity, then I would want to tag on some holiday time as well. So mm. I think Bermuda would be my answer there at the moment. And uh, it's something I've been looking into. So very nice. Very nice. I've never been to Bermuda before, but uh, if you need someone to carry your bags, then please <laughs> tap me up because I'd be well and truly up for that. <laughs> Emily, we've got to bring this to a close in a minute, but if anyone's heard anything and they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way they should go about doing that? Okay, so you can email me. So it's emily at thestickmanconsultancy.co.uk or you can find us on Instagram, which is instagram.com forward slash stickman consultancy. And there's quite a lot of behind the scenes stuff on there. So either or you can reach me via those. 
Awesome. 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 And where did, where did the stick man name come from? I've got to ask. <laughs> so Stickman was born out of our sort of core approach to marketing, which is stripping the issue back to its core and then building out, building from a really strong, fixing the foundation and then building out on that really strong foundation. So the stick man is kind of the raw version of a human and that's kind of where it came from. But people say to me, but you're not a stick and you're not a man. So it's questionable. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess they're correct on both points, but you know. Well, yes. And unfortunately about the stick bit, yes. But also they link it to the Lowry, sorry, Lowry as well. I'm saying the Lowry because we're in Manchester. So they link it to Lowry, um, the artist and say, you know, does it come from there as well? So uh, I think there's kind of, yeah, maybe that contributed subconsciously as well. I see. Okay. Well, awesome. Thanks for giving us that insight. And in fact, thank you for the last 20 minutes of your time sharing with us your life. Emily Richards, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So that was Emily Richards, founder of the Stickman Consultancy and thoroughly lovely person to speak to. A big thank you to you, Emily. I really appreciate your time being on this episode of the podcast. Now, meanwhile, the really interesting thing is that you're still here listening to this episode, proving that people listen to podcasts all the way through to the end. So to find out more about podcasting in your school for your own marketing purposes, then come visit our website. It's www.thebonjouragency.com and you can find out more there. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. The next one's coming out soon. So click that option to follow or subscribe. And it just means that you won't miss out. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.